We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord. <coughs> Man, it has been some kind of week. Uh, started off the week in uh, Miami, meeting with pastors from around the country and got back home meeting with churches here locally and working on uh, some classes that I'm teaching and trying to fight this cold at the same time. Got some sniffles, so I need you to pray for me so you don't need to text me and tell me I sound a little nasally today. I already know. Um, but we're going to do the best we can with, with what we have. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm so grateful and thankful. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Where's rooted and grounded? Man, we're so grateful for this shift in our culture here at our church to make the main thing the only thing to shift from discipleship as a program to discipleship as our culture. And I'm just thankful, so thankful for all of you who have responded to that. Got to give a shout out to the 100 men in service on yesterday. Man, brothers who were serving. Yeah, stand up if you were part of the group of the brothers that were serving on yesterday. Come on, let's celebrate these brothers. Man, these brothers were making an impact all over our area uh, at the Beacon Day Center for homeless people at the Open Door Mission um, along, <coughs> excuse me, along with the Salvation Army. Uh, they were serving there and also at the food pantry here at our church. These men, man, did a tremendous job. And uh, we got a fellowship on this afternoon with the men. I'm going to go home and try to get a little rest so I can get back. Uh, starting at 4 o'clock, our Super Bowl party. And we've got some men excited about coming from the Open Door Mission who are getting a chance to get off campus. They're going to come and, and fellowship with us on the day. So we're looking forward, yeah, to God doing some. Uh, amazing things on today. Listen, make sure when you serve that you upload and share your pictures and your videos because we want to celebrate service projects. Those of you who have been serving over the last several weeks, um, our PDL groups, I think you've had four weeks that you're supposed to be serving. So make sure you submit those pictures so we can celebrate what God is doing in and through you as well. This week, we're moving into week five, um, which is titled Enrooted, There is an Enemy. Uh, we've looked at broadening that title around overcoming strongholds, PDL groups you've taken, uh, are taking a week off from your reading this week. And all of our groups are going to be looking at strongholds. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. Uh, one of the most powerful things that God will do in the midst of our discipleship shift is to give you a testimony, uh, to share, give you an opportunity to share with other people what God is doing in your life. There's an old song that we used to sing, said there's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do the same thing for you. And when you share your testimony, you're not only sharing what God has done for you, but you're encouraging somebody else to know what God can do for them as well. Let's hear our testimony 
for today. What I truly got out of Rooted and Grounded was consistency, staying consistent in my life. A lot of times we, you know, we show up late to work or we show up late to family and friends. And my problem was I was showing up late in all aspects, including with God. And so I had to learn to stop showing up late to where God is and to be on time for God because he is the only person that could supply my needs. Um, Being consistent helped me in life. Right, because family will fall off, friends will fall off, um, work, you may get fired. But staying consistent with God is truly the one thing in my life that I knew I need to stand firm in and believe that God has me in all aspects of my life, no matter what is going on. Because it was always, okay, I gotta make this, I gotta make this. But when do we ever stop and say, I gotta do this for God? Because once we start thinking about God and putting God first, everything else will follow. Um, So consistency was something I learned most important of all, because now in my life, I prioritize God first, which means that I'm able to prioritize myself and my needs and my self-care. And then that trickles down into the rest of my life. We love to be on time for that party. Well, let's be on time for God. Let's show up in that way with God. Let's give that same energy that we give to our family and our friends and to strangers on the street. Let's show up that same way with God because he does it with us every day unwaveringly. And we don't do it for him. And it, it helped me to stay in a consistent manner with him where I pray more. I, I live through, I breathe the things that he wants me to breathe in when it comes to, you know, spiritual life, when it comes to, in my Bible, when it comes to speaking to people about what he's done for me. I used to be ashamed of of my life with, when it came to God, but now I'm not. I'm, I'm strong in that. I believe in the things that he is doing for me. I believe that God is continuously bringing people into my life that will shape it ultimately. And that's what Rooted and Grounded did. God being consistent in my life is the only thing that's, honestly, I stand firm in. Everything else will wither. Life will go as it will. You may lose your job. Family may fall off, even friends. But God is the only person that I want to stay consistent with in my life. So Rooted and Grounded definitely taught me that. Miss Donna, Miss Wanda, they're consistently in my life even now. We talk on a regular. Um, the people in my group, we have our own little chat together where we still send each other birthday wishes and, and holiday wishes. And I, and I love it because I've never had that consistency, but it started with God. God is the foundation and everything else around it is just sweetness on top. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Bianca, for sharing your, your testimony today. We appreciate that so much. And remember, um, God has done some amazing things in your life. We want you to share your testimony as well. So make sure you communicate with your life group leader. Make sure you communicate with uh, Sister Toya. You, you let us know because we would love to hear your testimony as to what God is doing in your life. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we will do and say will be pleasing in your sight and bring glory and honor to you. 
have your way today and let your word find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people so we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a member of our church came up to me and was thanking me for a specific sermon that I had preached and how blessed she was by the message. And as we began to talk for a moment, she began to share with me some struggles that she was dealing with and going through. Uh, The more we talked, the more uh, transparent she became until she got to the point where she asked me to pray for her. And she said uh, she was at a place in her life where she was dealing with some really difficult things. And she found herself drinking a bottle of wine every night just to be able to go to sleep. And it was a reminder to me that even though we are Christians, even though we are saved by his blood and sealed by his spirit, loved unconditionally by God, that you and I as believers don't get an exemption from problems in life. And so the question on the table today is, what are you battling with? What are you dealing with? What are you fighting to overcome? Now, I will submit to you that many of us are not even fighting. We've just accepted whatever it is as a reality of life. We have not gotten over it, but we have managed to get through it. But I want to encourage somebody today that your freedom, your uh, sense of fulfillment in God, you living the life that God wants you to live is worth fighting for. In our rooted study, we begin week five, and for those of you who are in PDL, you're taking a break from your reading, and the subject of this week is there is an enemy. It's not a question, it's a declarative statement letting you know that you do have an enemy in life. Today, I want to talk to you from the thought how to overcome the strongholds in your life. How to overcome the strongholds in your life. Now, for somebody, you may be thinking, wait a minute, didn't we just hear this sermon not long ago? And you're absolutely right. This is not an accidental repeat of the sermon, nor are we attempting to create a spiritual version of the movie Groundhog Day. But here's what God has done. Over the last several weeks, God has really been dealing with me about this subject. Um, I'm beginning to look at it and was looking at minimally producing an ebook around this subject. And as I was thinking about it, even up until Thursday and Friday, God was sharing some things with me that really gave me some insight into what it really means to overcome the strongholds in your life. And here's why I say that. There are many of you who in the past have identified your strongholds, but you still have not overcome your stronghold. And part of the reason you have not overcome the stronghold is because the stronghold has been more symptomatic of what you have been carrying with you for a long time. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all five of these on today. Let's see if we can get through the first three, and we'll finish up the last two on next week. Colossians 1.13. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? 
If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Um, this is a lot for the outline. I've given you four pages, and that's in part because both PDL and uh, Rooted will be looking at the strongholds this week, and I wanted you to be able to use this as a guide for you regarding your study on this week. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Your salvation is the needed and necessary step in your walk with God to move you from darkness into his marvelous light. But just being saved, just being a Christian is not enough to guarantee you will walk in the freedom God makes available to you. It starts with salvation, but it must continue with sanctification. Now, here's what many of us miss as believers. We recognize that sanctification needs to be practiced today moving forward. God says, no, in order for you to get where you need to be today and move forward effectively, you've got to do something about your yesterday. Most of us don't want to look back over our yesterday because when we look back, we see some stuff that is painful, some stuff that is problematic, and some stuff we cannot change. But here's what we fail to realize. The stuff from our past, in many instances, has changed us. And we have accepted those changes as making us into who we are. It's part of my personality when it's really just part of your past, and God wants you to understand that it's not enough to get through it. He wants you to get over it. Here's the first thing I want you to see if you're going to overcome the strongholds in your life. Number one, you need to realize you have strongholds in your life. You have strongholds in your life. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul, in this letter to the church at Corinth, reveals what spiritual warfare is all about. Paul reminds the church at Corinth that they have historically been more concerned about what they look like on the outside than who they really are on the inside. And so they pretend they perpetrated to be spiritual when in actuality they were not. And Paul says they were evaluating things according to the flesh and not according to to the spirit. And so he wants them to know and he wants you and I to know that you and I cannot fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons and win. But there are times, consciously or not, when we allow our enemy, our adversary to have authority or to take up a position in our lives to set up a spiritual stranglehold over our lives. And the Bible says those are called strongholds. 
Um, that word stronghold uh, literally means a, a, a castle or a fortress. Um, it's akin to making firm. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it's used metaphorically of those things that have a place in our life that cannot readily be gotten rid of. He says we have some strongholds. Now, here's what I need you to know. A stronghold is more than just sin. Uh, A stronghold is an area in your life where a planted sin has taken root in your spirit so much so that it affects who you are, how you think, what you do, And it continues to give Satan power in that area of your life to cause you to live far below God's intended purpose for your life. It may be a sin that was committed by you, but it more often than not is a sin that was committed against you. And that sin that was committed against you has established itself as a stronghold in your life that has affected even how you see the world. Let me give you an example. Um, I was talking to a young lady who was in a lesbian affair. And we were talking and she was sharing with me Honestly, and I'm not saying this is the case for everybody. I want you to hear what I'm saying. She said, honestly, she recognized that part of her attraction to women was the abuse that she experienced from men. And so it became a reaction for her because she had been so abused, molested by several men that she felt like she could not look to any man to find healthy love. And so she accepted it wherever she could find it. That became a stronghold for her. Am I making sense? We, We go through things in life and those painful moments, those painful instances shape us and shape how we think, shape how we view the world because we are trying to make the pain as less as possible. And that stronghold restricts us. It holds us back. It keeps us from fulfilling our God-given potential and causes us to miss God's best blessings for ourselves. If for no other reason, we're trying to avoid every opportunity to experience that stronghold showing up in our lives. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize the root cause of many of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. The root cause of many of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. If you ask what's wrong with the world, you can boil it down as a believer to the doctrine of hermetiology, sin, right, in the heart. There's a problem. We got a sin problem. But watch this. The question is not so much now what's wrong with you, 
But if you're going to overcome a stronghold, the question is better ask, what happened to you? See, see, many times when we interact with people, we interact with them and we say, what's wrong with you? You lost your mind. What's wrong with you? You tarted. What's wrong with you? You know, you're going to go crazy. When in actuality, maybe the better question we should ask is, what happened to you? What is it that has occurred in your life that has made you respond and react the way you do? See, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that strongholds are the symptoms while the pain from our past is the root cause behind the stronghold. Amen. Amen. We, we, we're trying to deal with fear, but we're not dealing with the root of the fear. We, we try to deal with the rejection, but we're not going back dealing with the root cause of the rejection and finding resolution there with or without the participation and the permission of the person who committed the offense in the first place. So so watch watch Psalm 88. I want you to read this when you get home, but, but watch verse 15. Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Now, this is the last Sons of Korah psalm in the Psalms. And the psalmist is crying out to God day and night because he is troubled to the depths of his soul. He he uses language like, uh, I feel like I'm going through hell on earth. He, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but, but that's the intention behind his words. He talks about being weak and having uh, no strength to go on in life or in living. We don't know what this affliction was, but here's what we do know. Based on the words of the psalmist, he had been suffering all his life and all day and all night with whatever it is that he was dealing with. As a matter of fact, the text says he could not even look back to a time in his life when he enjoyed good health, when he felt like things were going well. Instead, he lived his life feeling like death was nearby. He felt like he was drowning with no one close enough to rescue him. Let me tell you how deep the 88th Psalm is. It's so deep that the psalm ends with the word darkness. And it's one of the few psalms that does not start off dark and ends in light. In this psalm, the psalmist never, ever closes with praise. The entire psalm, he's talking about his pain and he's talking about the problems from his past. Never expresses Praise to God for having come out because he was still in it. Someone under the sound of my voice today, you can identify with this kind of perpetual pain in your life, this kind of pain that can open the door for strongholds to take root in your life. You can identify with having gone through some things, some difficult times, some tough times in life, and and you've gotten through it, but you never have really gotten over it. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right just by your silence. Here's what I need you to understand. Many, if not most, of your strongholds 
took root in your life before you became a Christian. Matter of fact, let's go one step further. Many of the strongholds we deal with in life took root before you became an adult. Uh, let me give you an example. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, the phrase is adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. I began to do some research uh, after going to the Open Door Mission this past Thursday. I was looking at it and I said, wow. I said, how much of this affects the church? These are traumatic events that occur in childhood zero to 17 years of age. For example, experiencing violence, abuse, or neglect, uh, witnessing violence in the home or in the community, uh, being in households as a child that were not safe, unstable, no bonding, no real love, where in the household you had substance use problems, mental health problems, and instability due to parental separation or household members being in jail or in prison. Now, this is not a complete list of adverse childhood experiences, but but here's what I need you to know. They are traumatic. And even things like not having enough food to eat, experiencing homelessness, unstable housing, or experiencing discrimination in life are traumatic experiences that create adverse childhood experiences in our lives. It shapes us, listen carefully, and opens the door for strongholds to take hold. Now you say, well, how big is the problem? Uh, 64% of adults, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, have had at least one adverse childhood experience. 25% have had three or more. 17.3% have experienced four or more. And watch this. It affects all socioeconomic groups, especially low-income groups, females, and people of color. And when you have experienced a large number of ACEs, the data shows that you are two times more likely to smoke two and a half times more likely to contract the STD, four times more likely to have heart disease, seven times more likely to abuse alcohol, and ten times more likely to inject drugs. 1.9 million heart disease cases are attributed to ACEs. 21 million cases of depression are tied to ACEs. But, but watch how it can affect you, not just as a child, but as you become an adult. Uh, it causes people to have trouble forming healthy and stable relationships. They have unstable work histories, struggle with finances, jobs, and depression throughout their life. They have a bad understanding of themselves in the world. They, they, they can't regulate their feelings and their moods. Uh, they can't maintain good feelings about themselves or other people. And they have warped beliefs about themselves and the world. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You, you're thinking, man, I done been through at least four or five 
ACEs in my life. And guess what? You being here right now with a reasonable portion of health and sense is a testimony to the grace of God in your life. Is there anybody in here who can testify? If it had not been, Lord have mercy. With everything I've been through, I should have lost my mind. But if it had not been for the Lord on my side. But here's what I need you to know. Just because you can identify a stronghold in your life doesn't mean you're delivered from the impact or influence of that stronghold. And you can only find Real love and acceptance and belonging, which is what everybody wants, right? Children need love and belonging and stability. Parents, adults want love and belonging and stability. Everybody is looking for love and acceptance and stability. And you can only find it with God. Because watch this. If you are broken... And you're dealing with broken people. All of your brokenness is going to eventually show up. Listen, the Bible says a man and a woman, the two shall become one flesh. But here's the implication in the text that one whole man and one whole woman make up one whole relationship. Can I tell you the problem with most of us? We got a half person coming with a half person and trying to make a whole out of two halves. And then I get mad when your half doesn't match my half. Or when your lack of a half shows up, especially when it shows up at the same time of my lack of a half. One of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody you're in a relationship with is a whole self. So you're not running around looking for the other piece to your puzzle. You're walking around as a completed puzzle within yourself. And can I tell you something? When you walk around whole, it sure is easy to recognize half a folk. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Here's the third thing. Number three, and we'll close here. You must battle your strongholds every day of your life. I want you to circle that word every day. Uh, The battling against strongholds is not a one-time action. You've got to battle your strongholds every day. Verse 5 says, we destroy arguments, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. When Paul says we are not waging war according to the flesh, right, he's talking about a present tense battle. We are always engaged in battle. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You are in a constant conflict. You are in 
a battle. Now, some of you have reminded me recently, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to preach this sermon again and expand it, because many of you have reminded me that just because you have identified your stronghold doesn't mean you have overcome your stronghold. Right? Um, Let me give you an example. Uh, I have preached at churches where people have come up to me and said, oh, my God, that message was a... Oh, Pastor, you stepped on my toes. Oh, my God, that sermon was absolutely amazing. I've never heard anything like that in my life. And watch this. They encouraged me on the content of the message, but they didn't change their conduct when they left. And there's a difference between being convicted and changing your conduct. So I'm not just trying to convict you this morning. You quiet. I'm not just trying to convict you. I need somebody to leave here determined I'm going to change my conduct. Now, who or what are we in conflict with? Look at A. Realize you are in a spiritual battle with the devil. Now, when I say the devil... 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And here's the challenge. Uh, two extremes exist in the world about the devil. One, he's got a pitchfork and a pointy tail and ears, and he's really just a figment of our imagination. And then the other extreme is we become preoccupied with the devil and we see the devil everywhere. If the car's not working, we see the devil in the transmission. He, the devil's everywhere. We laying hands on the car, praying, trying to cast the devil out of the engine. I mean, we, we see the devil everywhere. The Bible says the devil, the false accuser, the slanderer of the people of God, is a spiritual force that those of us who have accepted Christ are in opposition with because he is in opposition with us. We're in a constant battle with the devil, with the enemy, who does not want us to do right. And watch this. If he cannot destroy you, the devil has the goal of debilitating you. If he can't take you out, he wants to take you down. Ephesians 4.27 says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Give no room to the devil. Look at B. Realize you are in a spiritual battle with your flesh. With your flesh. Romans chapter 7 Paul says, verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law warring, uh, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. 
Paul says, when I would do good, evil is always present. The good that I should do, I don't do. The good that I, what I shouldn't do, I end up doing, right? There's a war going on with my flesh. And y'all, can I tell you something? Just because you are victorious one time against your flesh, don't think you are the ruler of your flesh. Like, don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, I got this flesh thing covered. No, 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 no. The devil will show you. <laughs> and your flesh will show you. No, we're in a constant battle. Even if, watch this, even if you can't do it anymore, the Lord said, if you think about it, you're guilty. He says, you got, you, you got to recognize you're in a battle with your flesh physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You are in a battle because you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. You are in a battle. That's why 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Every sin in this world, every temptation that comes against you falls into one of three categories. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Look at C. Realize you're in a spiritual battle with your past. You're in a battle with your past. Philippians 3.13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul says you cannot allow the past to hold you down or hold you back from getting where God wants you to be. And some of you, it's not that you haven't made strides. It's not that you haven't made progress. I'm just saying to you, God has more for you. God has more for you. Do you want only what you have or do you want everything that God has for you? See, I'm at the place in my life, y'all. I don't want what God has for you. I want everything. I want everything God got for me. And I'm not hating on you when you get what God has for you. All you are showing me is what God has done for you. He can do the same thing for me. See, your damaged self, that part of you that has endured hurts and hang-ups and destructive habits, that hurt child, that mistreated adult living inside of you still wants its pain and desires recognized and gratified. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? One of the mistakes that you make with a stronghold, listen to me carefully. One of the mistakes that you make with a stronghold is when you require other people to accept your stronghold as God's best for you. That's just who I am. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I've been like this for 50 years. Well, then you've been wrong for 50 years. And you're not a dog. I didn't see you eating kibbles and bits this morning. Stop claiming ownership over what is holding you back from being all that God wants you to be. requiring people to accept your stronghold as God's norm for your life. Because it's not God's norm for your life. It's the devil's norm for your life. 
And you got to make up in your mind that you're going to clean it up. That you're going to fight to get to a place of true healing and wholeness in your life. Now, let me close by telling you this. Many of you have made progress. And I applaud you for the progress that you've made. Many of you have actually, for the first time in your life, recognized, you know what, I got some strongholds. I got some issues. The issue is not there's something wrong with everybody else in the world. Some of y'all have finally looked in the mirror. And, and recognize, you know what, I got some issues. I got some stuff I got to deal with. All right, Praise God. I'm glad you were convicted enough to recognize you got some stuff. Some of y'all still looking at me acting like you don't have any stuff. I got you. We praying for you. But watch this. Just because you've acknowledged it and you started to deal with it doesn't mean you're finished. You got to keep going back and keep working on what you need to work on. All right now. And watch this. You may have gotten part of the way, but now it's time to go back and work on it some more. Acknowledging, yeah, this is, man, my pain, this, this is the place of my pain. This is the person that caused my pain. Now, how do I deal with this so I can get further deliverance? From the stronghold that's been holding me back. So, uh, I have this uh, journey of cleaning my closet. Um, and when I clean my closet, um, I have typically three piles. Don't, don't judge me. Uh, my first pile is what I wear. My second pile is what I hope to wear again. And then my third pile is what I will never wear again. And, and that, that third pile, what I will never wear again, that, that's the easy pile to get rid of. And it's typically the smallest pile, if I'm going to be honest. It's typically the smallest pile, right? But that's, that's the one I... Now, the, what I hope to wear again, you know, I got intentions for that pile. I'm, I'm going to get back down to that size one day. I'm working on it. It's, it's, I'm a work in progress. Don't judge me. I'm a work in progress. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And, uh, and then that what I'm going to wear right now, what I wear, I, I'm, I'm good. So when I go clean the closet, I, I know the stuff I'm going to get rid of. I will never wear that again. That's gone. Goodwill, Salvation Army, take it wherever you want to take it. I don't care. Put it in the trash. I don't care. I ain't wearing that again. That's gone. Usually, it's the smallest pile. My wife will ask me, what about that pile? That what I hope to wear. There's something emotional about that. It reminds me of better days. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm trying to keep hope alive. I'm hopeful. Right? Year goes by, I go back, now I got to clean the closet again. And I'm noticing that that I will never wear again pile is still not that big. But I recognize when I go back in, I got to give up hope on some stuff. It's like you ain't made no progress in a year, brother. You ain't got no closer. 
Now, don't, don't let me get a little closer. If I get a little closer, if I, hey, hey. Maybe it was two inches apart. Now it's an inch apart. Oh, man, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. But, 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 but I got to go back in and take an honest look again. Now I'm saying this, and I already know my wife is sitting there going, it's time to go back in the closet again. I understand. I understand. That's why I tell her, stay out of my closet. Go in your closet. Stay out of my closet. There's something spiritual going on in my closet. Stay, stay out of my closet. It's my sanctuary. Stay out of my closet. Because she likes to go, and she can throw everything away in my closet. I'm like, I don't go in your closet. Why you won't go in my closet? Here's my point. When you look at your life, many of you have cleaned up some stuff, but you're still holding on to some stuff. See, the Bible says the pleasures of sin, because sin is pleasurable. And, 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 and some of those strongholds have been with you so long that you've defined your personhood by the outgrowth of the pain from your past. And God says, you got to go back in and look again because there's still some stuff you need to throw out. There's still some stuff you need to get rid of. And I submit to you that there are many of you in here right now who don't know who you really are supposed to be in Christ because you are still held back by the strongholds that the devil has put in your life. And so somebody today needs to make a decision to say, I'm going to be free. And I'm going to keep on working to gain my freedom. Let the people of God say amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We pray now that everything that we have done and said has been pleasing in your sight. Pray, God, that your word has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be more than hearers of your word. We will be doers as well. We ask you to have your way now.